Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, fellow gamers. Happy November and happy Thursday. We are three dads who make up the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast, and each Thursday we break down recent gaming news that we found the most interesting. Please take a second to rate our podcast five stars and leave a written review. Also, please come check out our Patreon page where you can support the show and unlock bonus content. You can see support options at MultiplayerSquad.com. I am your host, Paul. And joining me, he's ready to visit all nine realms of Norse mythology with his son with his Blades of Chaos grapple hook. It's Josh. Oh, I love me some <laughs> realms, the nine realms. Give me give me the Helheim, the Nephelheim, the the, the Anaheim, California Heim, and something else. Right? The lesser known tenth realm, Anaheim. Yeah. I try not to talk it all during your intro, but I that was good. <laughs> the most disappointing of the Heims, I might add, but that's yes. okay. The traffic Anaheim. heim, the smog heim, oh, the price heim. <laughs> and joining me and Josh, he has defeated the Balrog and he's paved the way for the dwarves to return to glory it's michael what in the mines of moria the bridge of casa doom is out we've got to go fix it uh yes the uh the brand's brawn beard warcraft crossover <laughs> with lord of the rings <laughs> there, i definitely picked up a little bit of michael's brand bronze beard there yep. as well i just i can't bit. i can't well, do he's a dwarf isn't he yeah he, he is, is. Yeah, oh, yeah. okay so, like, so, you know. He's just a little bit more hey, Michael, boisterous than Gimli. Diversify your dwarven dialect, okay, buddy? It's I'm not I can't do a John Rice Davies at all, so I can't do Gimli. Not even I tried, and I'm like I just can't do. It. Nobody tosses a dwarf. No, it just sounds. No, that was that's bad. just brand. That's not. Yeah. Yep. It's just it's a guttural brand. <laughs> oh, very nice. All right, guys, we've got a lot to talk about. I think what we're going to start off with here is God of War Ragnarok. Now, Wait, what game? Uh, it's Never a little it. known game. It's like this indie title no one's heard of called God uh, of War Ragnarok. Uh, and neat. it is set for release less than a week from the day oh, this podcast airs. Insane. It's here, guys. It is Finally. less than a week away. And PlayStation released a video called Combat and Enemies Elevated, which was a nine-minute video kind of highlighting the philosophies and the strategies for how they wanted to elevate combat going from God of War now into Ragnarok. So I don't know kind of where you guys want to start with this. What from this video stuck out to you? 
I want to start by just saying that I did not want to watch this video because this game has been like it baked forever and we keep watching these gameplay videos and I'm like, okay, the, another gameplay video. Paul's going to make us watch a nine minute video and talk about it, but <laughs> holy cow, did a lot of cool stuff come out of this. Josh is really excited, so I want to pass it over to him because I, I know he's way excited about this. But I... I <laughs> like a little kid christmas is coming boys <laughs> he christmas dressed up as kratos last halloween i, I did yeah. and i'm on the good list i know it <laughs> i know i'm on the good list um i i mean i everybody knows i absolutely love god of war i it's funny because i was watching this video this morning my daughter walks into the room she's like oh god of war and i'm like yes and then i'm like i'm trying to convince my 15 year old to play god of war because it's like you'll love this game it's amazing and she's like yeah whatever um Everything in this video stood out to me, Paul. So you said what stood out? Everything stood out. All nine out. minutes. Yeah. You know, yes. It's, Truly. I, you know, it is everything they show off to us. It just impresses me. I will say the biggest takeaways for me on this video, we can break it down a little bit more. But I think one of the few complaints that people had with God of War was that the they reused a lot of the assets for the monsters and stuff like that. Like you can only, you know, the the trolls, it was a green troll, it was a blue troll, it was a red troll. It's still the same fight and stuff like that. They showed off a lot more diversity in the combat and in the monsters this go around. Um, so I think like it's very optimistic to me that they seem that they've listened to some of the few complaints people had about that and said, Hey, we, we heard you. You know what? Fine. We'll fix it. And I'm not saying that they're not going to have some assets that have been reused in this game, but. I mean, the combat looks tighter. The options in combat look tighter. They showed off some of that stuff. They showed off, hey, play this a little bit more the way you want to play it. If you want to block instead of parrying, there's a shield for that. If you want traversal with the Blades of Chaos, we've got that in there now. Like, it's much more vertical. It's faster pace. Like, everything I saw was just like, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, wait, you guys were listening to people there, too? Yes. Yeah, I... <laughs> I had a major aha moment while Josh is talking about the combat. I don't know how I got all the way through like the three or four years of production of this game and did not realize that they're using actual motion capture, like what James Cameron did with Avatar for the fights. They're actually choreographing these fights with the green screen, big green like boxes and stuff, and they're like got people with ping pong balls and dots all over their heads throwing each other around. And when because I've always watched these trailers and been like, man, the, the combat looks really natural, it looks really good. It's because they really did it. And then they, of course, took that and then put it in the video game environment, which blew my mind. I didn't know they do this for video games at all, but it works really well in this. The combat looks incredible. I love the verticality, like Josh mentioned, but I, I absolutely was shocked at how they were able to make this so realistic looking. Like Even with the collisions of the characters and the fights, it looks really natural. Oh, yeah. I, I think one thing that kind of stuck out to me, and, and I don't... I don't know if I'm maybe just overstating this, but right off the bat, when they started interviewing the team at Santa Monica Studios, they said right off the bat, they're like, we know that the meat and the potatoes of God of War is the combat. And the guy looks so excited to talk about his own game that I was like, I believe every word this guy is saying. I don't think he's blowing smoke like maybe... Some other people have been known to do no shots thrown to Bethesda, <laughs> but like we've talked about how Todd Howard has given us a lot of these speeches promises everything in the universe and we don't necessarily get it. And here I felt like 
this is just a team that understands the game. They understand the audience. You know, Josh, you, you kind of mentioned the one complaint, and, and I did bring it up in our deep dive, and I even said it's not really a complaint, but some of the choreography does get repeated over and over. Every time you killed one of the giant trolls, Kratos would have the big giant wooden plank that he'd swing in the air, grab it, bring it down right on top of the troll's head, and they all died exactly the same way. And so the fact that that's like the only complaint really speaks to how good God of War is. And then they even said, like, we fixed that. So now they said, we know people want more mini bosses. They want bigger creatures. They want more enemy variety. This time we really leaned into that. And so I think we're going to see that kind of variety partially because we are going to be visiting all nine realms. We're not stuck to a smaller amount. It does seem like they really are going to take us into vastly different biomes with a lot of different enemy types. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's a nine minute video. It felt, it felt longer, but in a good way to me because I was really just trying to unpack like everything, right? Like what is different about God of War Ragnarok versus God of War, you know, 2018? And it's like, it does, does it need to be different? Does it need to do anything drastically different? And you know what? It doesn't. They're just fine tuning things. This was a big focus on the combat and the enemies in this one. But one of the things that I really loved is they did a little bit where they dove into Atreus mm-hmm. and how, because this is longer, he's a teenager now. And they and it, this is one of the things that I absolutely loved about God of War and that we talked about when we did the deep dive on it is like when you're in the, the Lake of the Nine and you're paddling along, you'll see Atreus drag his fingers through the water. The attention to detail in this game is second to none. And it's what makes you feel like you are living this experience with Kratos and Atreus. And that's one of the things I absolutely love. The fact that the camera never cuts away. It is a one shot game. You know, through and through, I think a lot of people don't appreciate that, but that adds so much to to like the feeling of this game. They've got that again, but I love the fact, and they pointed it out, that because Atreus is older now and he's better at combat, he'll leave. He'll, He'll lead the way. And he'll go off and he'll he'll attack things. And now he's using melee combat because he's a better warrior than he was in the first one. Like the, it's the little things like that that when you notice, you just go. The fact that this studio understands their game and the story and the relationships that are being told is incredible to me. And it leads me to think that this is actually going to be an improvement over the first game, which is what gets me more excited than anything else. Because honestly, God of War is one of my favorite video games ever. And it's like, can they top it? Like, that's been the big question in my mind, right? It's like, is it going to be better? Is it going to be worse? I don't know that that matters at this point, because it's just the game itself is going to be its own experience. And I don't think it's going to falter comparatively. I think the overall thoughts on the God of War series in general, uh, aside from even the, the reboot in 2018, is they're all good games. And that's one of the things in my mind that I kind of thought about when I look at God of War Ragnarok, which is God of, versus God of War, the 2018 one that I haven't played, is that everyone talks about how good God of War is. I think this is like one of two things. It's either going to be better somehow because they're going to change some things, probably about the combat, because we know the story is going to be different. They're going in different realms. They're going to Anaheim, all those things. But at the same time, 
um, maybe it could just be the same game, not better. But what I'm seeing is like they're really trying to make this game different and better. I love the one take that you talked about. It's really cool because it adds just a little bit more feeling to, you know, just the the overall atmosphere. Um, but I just got to say what stuns me the most about this game is how graphically beautiful this game is. Like, I'm like, I know the story's going to be good. The combat's going to be good because it's got a war game. They're good. But man, this game is stunning. It's a gorgeous game. And I think when they now add some more verticality, which we have talked a little bit about in the past, but the fact that you can grapple ledges with the Blades of Chaos, is it's going to let you move around the map a lot faster. It's not going to feel as clunky at times. And the fact that you can jump off ledges and do in-air combats. So while you're falling, you can hit attack and you will do an attack on the enemy below you. I think that's going to bump up the pace in a way that feels really good. Um, now I do have a couple questions for you guys here. What odds would you give God of War Ragnarok of winning the Game Awards Game of the Year? I think we all agree it's between Elden Ring and Ragnarok. Yeah. What What odds would you give Ragnarok? I I here's I will quantify this too. I as I watched this video on the sidebar, there was a video that said I got to play the first five hours of God of War, and here's my initial thoughts on it. And I couldn't help but click it because I was it's a it's from a very <laughs> prominent uh, YouTuber, and so I kind of went, okay, well, let me see what this guy's thoughts are. And he basically said, "I this is it's incredible." He said the first five hours have amazed me, and he said to and he, this is actually kind of where I got the thought that it's like he's like I stopped comparing it to the initial because this game is it's a, it like stands on its own legs it doesn't need to be compared to the first one at that point and that was everything i wanted to hear and i stopped watching the video after that everything that i am hearing is positive about this and when you have that bar that you're comparing it against initially with how good the original god of war was the 2018 one i should say i think it's going to do it dude so i'm putting it up there at like a good like 65 70% i think it's going to take it home I do not think it will, and here's my thoughts. Um, I think it will be better than Elden Ring, but I think Elden Ring will still take. I think it's similar to how, if I make a par- uh, if I draw a comparison to film, how Steven Spielberg, it took him like 20 years to get Best Director, and he was, he was an incredible director. It's just because it was like, it's expected that Spielberg just puts out something great, and then somebody comes along and makes a movie like The Hurt Locker, where it's like, ooh, that was really good, it's an unknown director, and that person gets best director because it's like, oh, they stepped up and they did it. You're not expecting Elden Ring, a Dark Souls game, to win Game of the Year. You're expecting God of War to do it. And it's just like how in sports people hate a Dynasty franchise. I don't think this game, it could be flawless. It could be the greatest game ever made. And I think because Elden Ring was really, really good and mastered everything that it went out to do, but has like Dark Souls has never won a game of the year. I think Elden Ring is going to have an unconscious bias by the voters and it's going to win. Well, Sekiro won in 2019. So it's only been two years ago that From Software took it home with a Souls-like game. So if Elden Ring wins it, I think it'll be on the merits of them moving to an open world type Mm -hmm. situation. But I think that the Souls games, as good as they have gameplay and as memorable as they have of bosses... It, it, it's always missing a story component, right? Now, I know you can deep dive these videos on YouTube and people analyze all these things and try to figure out these hints at behind the scenes stories. Make it up mostly. And I get it. They're making stuff up <laughs> for the most yeah. part. 
God of War is going to bring that in spades. I, I'm, I, I've got it 90%. I'm almost to a guarantee. I'm telling you, God of War Ragnarok is going to win the Game Awards Game of the Year. I think it is a, the combination of music, gameplay, story. I think they're going to knock it out of the park. Everything I see just looks better and better. I am- that's my I'm guess. I'm getting chills, guys. Like, <laughs> legitimately on my arms. I'm getting chill bumps. Ah. Because it's like, if it if it's even as good as the first one, that is an incredible accomplishment. But I think they're going to do it, man. I think because they had the time to get the basics down, they don't have to reinvent combat, right? They don't have to do that. They just have to spice it up a little bit. But I think what this does is it lets them flesh out the story and put more focus on the story and the world. That was one of the things that I didn't like about the first one. We never really talked about it, but you have these nine realms, but you don't get to go to all nine realms, yeah, right? Like some just say, yeah. oh, you can't go to that realm right now. It's off limits or whatever. Odin has barred entry into that realm. And I get they just ran out of time to flesh it out. But you're telling me that I get to see all nine realms in, in Ragnarok now? You know what I mean? Like, I think they're going to be able to to focus more on the story, more on the experience and I think they are going to surpass what they did in God of War 2018, which it's mind blowing to me because if that's the case, this could be the best video game I've ever played in my life. Well, and yeah, there's a good point to be said about the story is that this is a continuation from the God of War 2018, right? After the soft reboot, if you want to call it that. We are already invested emotionally in these characters, so we don't have to do that exposition build phase of a video game. We're going into it knowing exactly who Atreus and Kratos are. I almost called them Atreyu. Sorry, never-ending story fans. <laughs> oh. I didn't. Um, but the thing is, is that they could literally start the game off with something very emotional, blow the blow the world open, you know, blow the roof off the place and be like, oh my goodness. And they've already got you because you're invested in those characters, which I think would really help it. Um, if I were to actually give it a number because i know you said odds i'm gonna say like 30 percent god of war 50 percent uh elden ring and 20 percent some stupid game that nobody wants to <laughs> <win>. <laughs> yeah yeah all right well we're gonna take a short break and we'll be right back with some more multiplayer gaming podcast this episode is brought to you by reese's peanut butter cups in breaking news leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. 
Okay, guys, moving on to our next story of the week. Ooh, it's really hard to follow up God of War Ragnarok. Um, yeah. All right, so we have a Lord of the Rings game that got announced back in June. We kicked around the idea of talking about it on the Twig episode at the time, and we ended up bumping it down the road. But this is a game called Return to Moria, and I'm guessing a lot of our listeners have probably not heard of this yet, but this is a co-op survival game that is set for release in spring of 2023. And we got a lot more detail. Initially in the beginning, there was a short announcement trailer, and they didn't tell us a whole lot about the game. Well, this week we did hear from game director John Paul Domont, and he shared a lot of details. So this is very much a survival game. You are going to be playing as dwarves who are trying to rebuild Moria. Um, to give you guys a little bit of lore background, in case you're a big Lord of the Rings fanatic, we have in the Third Age, Moria gets taken over by goblins, orcs, cave trolls. Of course, there's the Balrog down there. We see Gandalf defeat the Balrog, but it still remains largely in ruins and with all the evil creatures around. Now the Fourth Age has begun, and the dwarves are now reclaiming Moria and and rebuilding their kingdom now that the evil has been largely banished, but not entirely. You're going to come in and kind of finish the job. So it does say that we're going to have to manage things like hunger, energy, and temperature, along with sleep for survival. You're also going to have to manage things like light and noise to not alert enemies like orcs and trolls. Uh, what do you guys think about Return to Moria? Is this something you're interested in or no? Yes. Uh, I am interested as a Lord of the Rings nerd completely. I think it's an incredible idea to explore this part of this lore um, because Tolkien, you know, he has a lot of appendixes and so forth to his original works that kind of explain what happens around the universe and adds lore to the literature, but he never says what happens to Moria after the War for the Ring. We never know. And so it's nice to see that we've got an unexplored game that we can go look at as what happens. You know, Moria, of course, you know, being the place where Gandalf, you shall not pass that whole thing where they get the mithril from there and so forth. But um, I like the idea behind this because it's a, it's a darker take on Lord of the Rings, even though the Lord of the Rings story is somewhat dark if you think about it, because you got a dark lord who's wanting to do evil and stuff like that. But it's an interesting concept, and I, I like that we're exploring this this idea and this phase. Um, darker settings. Dwarves are awesome. We don't do dwarves a lot, and we're going to almost exclusively focus on dwarves. That's really cool because I get to run around and role play as Bran Bronzebeard now running through the mines of Moria. It's going to be very exciting for me. Please tell me you're going to name your character Bran. You're dang right I am, just like I named my character in Mass Effect Colonel Alan Shepard. I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan, too. I love just about anything fantasy-wise, so this definitely hits the right chords for me. I Initially, I, like, I'm a fan of elves, personally, so it's like, why not just do this in like the, the woods, you know, uh, and have elves and trees and all that stuff? But I actually really like the idea of doing this underground in Moria. I'm a huge fan of survival games. This is something that I've only learned in the past few years, but we started digging into, you know, a lot more survival type games. And I found out like, I really enjoy these, man, if they're well done. Satisfactory to this day is still one of like my favorite survival games I've played. Rust is a survival type game. Like we, we do hold them in high regards when they're done right. Now the forest, eh, maybe not so much because it's just, there's nothing there, right? Um, you know, the initial video that they showed off over the summer, I'll be honest, looked a little janky. The animations and stuff were not like real high quality, which got me a little worried about it. But hearing the details of this game 
have piqued my interest again. Um, they are going with the full survival elements. There is going to be combat in the game. Exploration is going to be a huge part of it because they say the deeper you go, the more dangerous it gets. But the deeper you go, the more technology you'll find that the dwarves had to abandon and stuff like that. So, you know, there's those aspects that really click for me. I'm not a huge base builder. So building some giant dwarven fortress in a big canyon or cavern doesn't necessarily like, you know, get me super excited, but all of the other things that they talked about do. And as a fan of fantasy type settings, and I think dwarves are super cool. I've never played as a dwarf really, other than, you know, Deep Rock Galactic. And that's kind of a different thing. They're like space dwarves, <laughs> right. right? So it's kind space of space dwarves, you know. So I'll be very interested to see. You know, how do they handle combat? How do they handle exploration? How are they going to do this stuff? I think the idea of darkness, because like they went too deep, right? That's what mm-hmm. wiped out Moria is the dwarves went too deep. So as we go deeper and deeper, does it get scarier? Is this like a subnautica type thing where it's like, I don't think you can really go any deeper. Oh, yes, you can. You know, that kind of stuff. So I think there's some really like... There's a ton of potential for some really neat moments, I guess, that this game could have. It's whether they're going to capture those or not that's going to tell the story. Yeah, and this one you can play solo or up to eight people online. They did say that each server will be procedurally generated. So when you put all that together, it sounds very Valheim-esque to me. So if it rises to that kind of level, we would be thrilled. Um, The one thing I do think it has going for it is Lord of the Rings sneakily has a really good reputation with video games. There are some clunkers here or there for sure. And we have zero desire to play Gollum. But when you do look in the past, whether it's the movie games that came out on PlayStation or Battle for Middle Earth or looking at the Shadow of Mordor series, they have a pretty decent batting average of being good. And so I'm very curious to see. I think my biggest hesitation is that it is all underground, So by nature, can we really make enough of these places look different and look interesting other than just being a big cave? So if they can do that, if they can build it in, then I'm all about it. Um, I do think we should move on to our last story here because I know you guys really want to talk about this one. Uh, CD Projekt Red announced that they are remaking The Witcher 1. It will be remade in Unreal Engine 5. You're the two who wanted to talk about this. Why? Because uh, I love everything Witcher, man. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Michael um, Michael, Michael marked this one four times. He was that excited. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, here's the thing. How many people out there have played The Witcher 1, The Witcher 2, and The Witcher 3? Not very many. Crickets. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I, I did... I played one, two, and three. Two, I remember a little bit of. Three, obviously, is one of my favorite games ever. I don't remember anything about one. I'll be honest with you. Maybe I know I played it. Maybe I didn't play it very long because it's old. But, you know, this is, this is like the beginning of the, the trilogy that ended with a masterpiece, in my opinion. And Unreal Engine 5 is super exciting. Like everything that we have seen that's been developed in Unreal Engine 5 so far has been pretty mind blowing. Now, that doesn't mean that somebody can't mess it up. Yeah. But if you're taking something that has that foundation and you're, you're leaping it into the future, which is today, you know, as far as that goes, and you're doing it in an engine that, that has a ton of potential. I think this could wind up being really, really good. It's interesting that you said 
about Unreal Engine 5 and all those things and somebody could mess it up, that is my major concern here um, about the messing it up. I looked at the partner studio because what, what, all the, what all the developers right now, you got Assassin's Creed, you got the Witcher series, all these different developers are partnering out a lot of their work right now. We've talked about it over the last several Twig episodes, like partner studio this. So this is being produced exclusively by a partner studio called Fool's Theory. Now, of course, um, CD Projekt Red has the story. They're going to be very involved, but they're not producing the game. Fool's Theory is. Okay, so Fool's Theory, I looked up their website and checked and seen what they did so far. They were partner support on Baldur's Gate, DOS 2, Outriders. Ooh. They've only made one game. Ooh, okay, that's right. a good pedigree so far, though. But that's only partner support, though. It's extra stuff. They haven't actually championed a game except for a game called Seven. You guys heard of that one? No. Me either. Never heard of it. So I'm just con- I'm concerned a little bit that Unreal Engine 5, of course, is new territory. We've got a developer who is essentially new making this game. That being said, if they pull it off, they've been handed the keys to the car. If they pull it off, they're a huge developer from now on, and we'll know Fool's Theory, like, they're incredible. Like, if Evil West takes off, everyone's going to know who... who um, Flying Rat Studio. Dang it. No one lost Wild Flying Hogs. I'm still maybe getting this tattoo. I better get it right, right? But anyways, that's my concern. But that being said, Unreal Engine 5, what a boost to the original. This is going to be a very different game than The Witcher 1. It will be similar by story alone, and that's probably it. Yeah, yeah this one, I don't know why. I, I Maybe I was just in a bad mood or something, because we've <laughs> talked about so many remakes. This is the remake that broke my camel's back i i saw this headline i put it in the dock and i'm like surely josh and michael don't want to talk about this we we talk about remakes every twig and this was the one where i was like you know what i'm sick of these remakes guys and i know that we've talked about that we'd said it was arguably the number one worst trend in gaming is putting all of these resources in remakes i've played the witcher one it is not the witcher three Anyone who wants to really highlight the whole trilogy, they are not as good as The Witcher 3. The Witcher 3 is a masterpiece. The Witcher 1, I did not beat, but I bought it several years ago. I played it for a couple hours. Even if it's going to be remade, I have zero interest in playing this one. Um, For people who want to experience more Witcher, great. They'll be able to. Personally, I'd rather see this money funneled into newer projects. I think the reason I feel that way about the Witcher one is that we're arguably still at the peak of Witcher popularity, right? Like the Witcher three is beloved. The Netflix series is everywhere. Everybody loves it. Like, do we really need to remake the Witcher? I understand remaking KOTOR like KOTOR is 20 years old and it's a dead series, even dead space. All right. Dead space came out after the Witcher one, but it's a dead series. There's a whole generation of people who have never played Dead Space or KOTOR. Everyone's played The Witcher 3. So part of me is like, I don't know if we really need it. But I guess if you're really interested in re-experiencing The Witcher 1, it'll be available. Yeah, I'll say this, Paul. It, it, you do bring up one good point. You know, KOTOR, Dead Space, you know, all these remakes that are being done right now. And, and, and hopefully, like, we're actually optimistic about some of these. You know, get out of here with that Warcraft 3 remaster and that nonsense, right? Yeah, right. Skyward That's Sword. Kind of yeah, Who like, we could it? care less about that. And nobody wants that. Nobody was asking for The Witcher 1 to be remade. The Witcher 1 was not on anybody's radar <laughs> <That's true. laughs> ever. Like, ever. Who played The Witcher 
Witcher 1 when it came out. Like, the only reason people played Witcher 2 or 3 was because Witcher 3 was coming out. And people wanted to go, well, I should probably know a little bit about this. And so they played The Witcher 2 first. I was one of those guys, you know, in that <laughs> regard. Um, I don't remember anything about Witcher 1, you know, as far as that goes. So it's like The Witcher 1 was not a genre-defining game. It was not a super, super popular game 20 years ago that's like, hey, let's remake it so people can experience that for the first time. That is a little weird to me that they went, here's a game that nobody even really remembered or talked about. Let's remake it, right? So I, I get that thinking. It's just that you know, maybe it's just too dated. I don't remember a lot about The Witcher 1. Is it, if they bring it into Unreal Engine 5 and make the combat good and like the graphics really good and keep the story, could it be incredible? Like maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I I think that they're going to add a lot to this game. I don't I I think that if you were to play Witcher 1, the original and then play the remaster, you're playing different games. You're just getting That's the same my similar hope. story. Yeah. yeah. And they even say, they're like, we're going bigger and bigger, more ambitious, this and that. And like, okay, that's cool. That being said, I know we're not talking about this, but Paul, you did bring up that Witcher is at the peak of its popularity, perhaps not for long because Netflix put out that really nasty, nasty, hmm. nasty, stupid news this week <laughs> that Henry Cavill is leaving and we're getting Liam Helmsworth now. And I think that that um, will be the end of The Witcher. So good talk. Coach. Oh, it could be. Who knows? Uh, last thing I will say about it is I do have a little bit of beef with CD Projekt Red, which I, I haven't had any beef with them in a long time. Do you guys remember when we broke down all the code names of all the projects they announced? Yes. Okay, this this was a little deceptive because they said that this remake of The Witcher 1 is Canis Majoris, which at the that. time, oh, a month teeth. ago... They said, quote, this is a full-fledged Witcher game separate to the new Witcher saga. Okay, well, it's the old Witcher saga. Like, you're implying it was a brand new spinoff title, ah, not related. Right. It sounded like new IP. All right, it's really just a remake. So I, I feel a little bit let down. Maybe that also fed into why I felt uh, like this is a remake I didn't want to hear about. Maybe because I was expecting an absolute brand new installment for the Witcher universe. Uh, feel a little bit bamboozled. That's all I'm going to say. It, oddly enough, as much as I love the Witcher, I'm not very hyped for this. You know what I mean? Like it, it's like it, I need to see some some gameplay. I need to see what they can do with Unreal Engine Five before I'm going to start getting excited about it. Like, kind of goes back to what I was saying. Nobody really ever talked about the Witcher one. Nobody bragged about The Witcher 1. Nobody was clamoring for a remake for The Witcher 1. So it's kind of like you've got a lot that's stacked up against this right now. Could it be incredible? I sure hope so. But I'm not. I'm just not super excited yet. i got to see what they're doing with this first before they're really going to start to get my attention. But I'm kind of like you. As of right now, I'm kind of like, I love The Witcher. I don't know but that why? you needed to do this. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? Like, yeah. My final, final thought on this is I am very excited about it, but this reeks of a canceled project in the future <laughs> because the, yeah. you know, you, you, we've seen it where like all of a sudden they'll be like, hey, you know what? Fool's Theory wasn't working out. We moved on to another developer. And then two weeks later, we find that it's canceled because CD Projekt Red doesn't want to keep funding it because there's not a lot of traction for it. That might be the news we're going to talk about a year from now. Dude, we were promised the Witcher 3 uh, remaster for like a year and two, like years now. It's supposedly <laughs> yeah. coming out this year, but we've heard nothing about it yet either. So it's kind of like, is that just going to fall to the wayside still? Yeah, very well could. Who knows? 
And The Witcher 3 is still beautiful. It's only a seven-year-old game. Like, that's maybe that's a conversation we should have somewhere down the road. How old should a game be in order to remake it? And Witcher 3, I don't... I'm not asking for that one to be remade yet. I'm fine holding off on that. It still looks great. I can't believe it's seven years old. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, that is it for this week in gaming. We want to say thank you to everyone out there for listening to this episode. Please follow us on socials at Multiplayer Pod. Also, you can check out Patreon at MultiplayerSquad.com to get bonus content. And also, please join our free Discord server. There is a link in the episode description. All right. Well, we hope that you guys will join us on Saturday for a quick take episode and then another bonus round episode on Monday. Hope you're all having a great week and a great holiday season. Happy gaming. We'll see you all uh, next time. Uh, happy Liam Helmsworth Day and may the odds Hemsworth. be in your Noel. Hemsworth. I, yeah, it's good. <laughs> Noel. <laughs> There's an L in there. No, there's, there's no, no L. L. It's no. Liam it's Chris, Hemsworth. Chris like and Chris Liam and Hemsworth. Hemsworth. Their Helmsworth is. is <laughs> yeah. Wait, what's a helm? You got Helms helm deep worth. on the mind. You, you yeah, got maybe a little bit of Lord ah, of the Rings. The Minds of Moria. <laughs> oh, Cheers, <Brian>. all. <laughs> See you all next time. <laughs> Bye, everybody.